Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. From there to the end of the chapter, verse 19, is a record of the seventh trumpet of the angel sounding the seventh trumpet. And we'll read the (coughs) verses first. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, thrones, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. The seventh trumpet, uh, <coughs> as you will notice, uh, like the seventh seal, predicts uh, and predicts the future. It uh, records the future as though it had was past. The uh, <coughs> uh, the when the seventh angel sounded, there were great voices in heaven saying, "The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ." Now that does uh, that is what is theologians call proleptic, meaning uh, the future, recording it as its past. Now the kingdoms in our study in the chronological order of the book. Uh, we have not come to the period of time when the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and, uh, and his Christ. There is this wording here. Uh, but the heavenly host rejoice. They shout for joy. Why? Because they anticipate. They are uh, noticing the fact that Jesus is about to take to himself his power and reign. It's not that he uh, doesn't have, or he would have reigned before now if he'd had the power. It's the fact that up until this time, uh, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, on the Father's throne. And uh, But uh, as the seventh angel sounds... The great voices in heaven saying the kingdom. Now, in King James has the plural. Uh, it should be singular. The kingdom 
of this world are become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Now, uh, this is not a point in time when Jesus uh, begins his uh, heavenly reign. Uh, the Lord, at his ascension, uh, he has been reigning uh, since that period. He was exalted uh, and given that authority and has been reigning in heaven until this day. But that's not the reign. That's not what is the, the, the uh, heavenly host is rejoicing about. They are uh, happy because... Uh, he shall reign forever and ever. Now notice the four and twenty elders, which we have uh, uh, concluded to mean uh, angelic beings, heavenly personages, and not a portion of the redeemed, not a select group, uh, not even human beings, not redeemed persons, because these twenty-four elders sing a song concerning the redeemed that God has purchased by, by the Lord Jesus through his blood a people out of every kindred tongue and nation of the earth. They sing that song because God has purchased, God has redeemed through the Lord Jesus a people. But they are not the people uh, uh, that's included in the redemption. It's not as the King James says, has redeemed us but has purchased them, hath redeemed them for our God. Now, at this time, uh, they sing, uh, they, uh, they are the only people, the only personages in the Bible that's closer to the throne of God than the 24 elders are the four heavenly beings called in the King James for living Creatures are four beasts, uh, but they are uh, four heavenly personages. Who they are, uh, no one knows, and no use to say they represent so-and-so. They are four heavenly beings, just like these 24 elders. These 24 elders don't represent anybody except themselves. They are 24 heavenly beings, as seen throughout the book of Revelation, and they have a service and a ministry and a work uh, to do for the Lord. And... They are always actively engaged in serving uh, and performing a service for God. Now, at this point, they sing of the Lord God Almighty. They fall down upon their faces and worship God. And this is the way they worship, by giving thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come. Now, here uh, we have a threefold reference uh, to the Lord Jesus. Uh, he, uh, he was, of course, he was in the beginning with God. He was God and created the world, all things created by him. It is God, creation is said to be the work of God, and uh, regeneration or quickening power, giving life is said to be uh, the work of, uh, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, in creation, the agent is, is always referred to, said to be, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he was, and he, uh, the, the scriptures tell us that uh, he art to come, 
he say, showing that uh, uh, he's ever, he's still, he was on the earth, he was in heaven, he came to the earth, he ascended to the uh, heaven, he is now uh, upon the threshold of descending to the earth again, which are to come. Now, we will get another outburst of praise uh, with reference to the uh, bowls and and this same outburst, but the art to come is missing. Why? Because he has come. He's seen as having already come. Here, he is seen as about to come. So the coming is still future in this anticipation. So he says... Uh, uh, because, now here's the, the ground or the basis for it. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast past tense reign. Now there, they are praising God, yet Christ has had, has, has assumed no, uh, other power than he has had at the gift of God when he returned to heaven, and yet they say that he has assumed this power, this authority, and has begun to reign. And, uh, of course, uh, and the nations. Now, here's the result uh, up on the earth when this reign actually takes place. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Now you see in verse 18, there's no, uh, there's no greater verse in this interlude than verse 18, because it sets forth, uh, the synopsis and outline, the structure, the chief events that uh, are yet uh, future in in the prophecy of Revelation. No, notice uh, the time of the dead. Well, that time hadn't come yet. They're seeing as though it has come. Well, it will have come, and that time will have been reached when the Lord Jesus returns, because the resurrection of the dead will be at His coming. And and the time of, and they should be judged. There'll be no judgment until the coming of the Son of God uh, back to the earth. And that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets. No man has gone to his reward. There's no such idea of a man dying and, and going to his long-sought home and, and has received his reward. No such thing. No, no scripture teaches it. But the, t- the time for receiving their rewards is when the Son of God reco- returns. And uh, to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great. They're not, no one going to be left out. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. The coming of the Son of God is not only, uh, not only salvation, not only deliverance, not only redemption, not only resurrection. Not only is it a time of rewards, but it's a time of judgment. And that's why the earth uh, is fearful. That's why the nations of the earth are angry. Because they likewise 
anticipate the judgments of God. And uh, so uh, that uh, verse 18 takes us on, just like the sixth seal, takes us on to the coming of Christ, the, the return. Uh, and we'll be in the uh, interlude between now this seventh seal and the first uh, vile or bold judgment. We have uh, several uh, notices uh, that are recorded. The uh, the seven personages, the seven the signs in heaven, and uh, the uh, two beasts in chapter thirteen. The one hundred forty four thousand uh, in in chapter fourteen. The everlasting gospel and the fall of Babylon is announced proleptically, and the doom and the beast, the doom of the beast uh, worshippers, these people that are upon the earth. And then uh, uh, the chapter 15 comes to unfold the last, the seven last plagues that are upon the earth. So, uh, and we have this same pattern in the book of Daniel, in chapter 7, in the book of Daniel. And when we get to chapter 13, we will go back to Daniel 7 and, and notice, uh, and, and notice the background uh, for this period of time. Now verse 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament of covenant, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail, all of which, uh, descriptions a thundering, lightning, hail uh, is the announcement of the near approach of the return of Christ. And yet, you would think the, cha- the next verse would, would tell us something about this Christ, this person who has taken to himself his authority and his power, and, uh, he's, uh, and the exercise of his reign. You'd think that the, the uh, incidents, the the events numerated in verse 18 would somehow be uh, become, uh, be before us. But instead, uh, we have chapter 12 and saying, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Altogether different scene. Great wonder in heaven. Actually in the sky may not be the, the heaven of God. Now, when we get out a little further, uh, uh, we'll... See that there was, uh, in verse, uh, seven, uh, and to nine we'll, uh, be in possibly the third heaven, uh, the abode of God. But here, uh, is a scene that many believe to depict, uh, uh, in the sky rather than heaven. But nevertheless, let's just, let's just take it as it, King James reads it and says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. Now, the scriptures doesn't say that 
there appeared a great uh, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed in sun. Now, in heaven, then where does it describe the woman? Describes her uh, as clothed with the sun, the moon, and the stars. So it's possible that this that that is the uh, the locale or the uh, the sphere of this scene. But it says. But now the problem is, who is a woman? Uh, what does the sun, the moon, the stars, what, are, what is the meaning? Uh, anybody's guess is as good as another. Uh, any interpretation of the sun, the moon, the stars, if you, uh, if you interpret it uh, symbolically as enhancing the glory of the woman, uh, then you will uh, be interpreting in harmony with the idealist uh, or the spiritual method of interpreting the book of Revelation. Uh, if you interpret the woman as being the uh, 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 the Israel, uh, the Jews, the nation of Israel, then you will be interpreted in the system known as dispensationalism. Uh, if you interpret it in the system of, uh, as a historical, uh, a consequent historical interpreter, you would say that this uh, woman uh, can either be the uh, Israel, Mary, and many of the ancient ones said that this woman was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, and uh, others will say that it's the ideal Israel of the Old Testament. Uh, so, uh, but uh, if we have no theory uh, to uh, to advance, and if you were not already conscious of the of the four great theories of interpretation, and you read this, you uh, uh, you read this uh, woman clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars upon her head, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered, uh, and conscious of the uh, of the rest of the uh, of this chapter twelve, you would uh, say that she was Israel. Why? Because uh, Israel gave birth. Uh, it was through Israel. Through the Jews that Christ was born. Uh, now, uh, when you uh, dig into it, well, now then, uh, Isaiah fifty-four one uh, uh, speaks about such a travail, about such uh, travailing in pain. Uh, uh, Galatians four twenty-six, Paul says that the Jerusalem which is above is a mother of us all. And Paul, in the fourth chapter, was making uh, an allegory uh, that is teaching and, and using Hagar and Sarah and these events uh, from the standpoint of an allegory. Now, uh, uh, personally, uh, I think uh, that uh, the woman, uh, that this woman refers to Israel. Uh, I do not believe it uh, includes, uh, uh, causes me, or requires me to believe in the uh, 
in the deniers, the rejecters, the uh, the Christ-hating element, the uh, non-religious uh, Jew. I believe that it refers to uh, Israel from the standpoint of, uh, of the chosen. The only the only reason why uh, the people or Satan even or the uh, world hates the Jew today is because God made choice of them. Uh, God selected them. Though they were hateful, they were despicable, they, uh, uh, they, they never got along with anybody, and they were covetous, they were proud, they were haughty, they were conceited, and yet God chose that group through whom he was going to reveal his word, give his law to Moses, and reveal the oracles of God, the whole testament, and through whom the Son of God would be born. And the Bible tells us that salvation is of the Jews, of the Lord, as well as of the Lord. Now, uh, there was a great, uh, there's a great racial uh, uh, point of view involved in the interpretation. But now, she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Uh, Isaiah uh, 66 and verses 7 to 10 tells you about uh, that travail. Uh, and I think possibly uh, a linkage here in this understanding. I don't believe that any part of the Bible or any apocalyptic literature is necessary for the understanding of the message of Revelation. Uh, I believe the past, uh, the, uh, the the scriptures are uh, are helpful, and that it gives uh, gives one courage to believe what he reads. That's the greatest trouble about Revelation. The reason why people don't believe it and don't study it is because they do, they don't have uh, the courage uh, to say that they believe what it says. Uh, rather, they they want to. Uh, take a little pains and go around and, and, and make a, an apology for the book, uh, and say that, uh, because it, it is symbolic, because many things are written in symbol, uh, that it is symbolic, and then, and of course that, uh, uh that clouds the mud is the water. But, uh, now, she being, uh, with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there, now notice verse 3, we see another person, another wonder in heaven. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to, to, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, <clears throat> in this chapter, you're going to find, uh, overall, uh, the great conflicts between God and Satan. Uh, and it's represented uh, as the warfare starting even in heaven. And uh, 
and it will continue until a little later we'll read about uh, Satan being cast out, uh, cast down from heaven to the earth. Um, but Satan, uh, in this passage, is uh, is waiting. Uh, uh, well, let's see. In uh, verse three, uh, and uh, a giant, a great red dragon. Now, uh, this uh, the those who interpret symbolically uh, tells us that the red dragon uh, represents the satanic forces, and of course that's. There's no question of uh, uh, Satan dragon here. Uh, but now, the seven heads and the ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. That certainly depicts him as being powerful. Now, I don't know what the seven heads, I don't know what the, the ten horns are. I don't know if anybody knows. Uh, I know that horns are symbolic of power. Uh, I know that uh, the crowns, uh, whether they're Stephanos or diadems, they are uh, either the reward of uh, conquering ability or they are express the royalty of his nature, the highness of a person. Well, now here Satan uh, uh, has uh, seven heads and uh, uh, ten horns. And seven crowns upon his head. Well, he ought to, uh, he ought to feel pretty good, you know. All of these big boys took to themselves powers. They always like to put a crown upon his head. And uh, they like to be addressed as mighty ones. Uh, and so on. But now, to show his power, his tail drew the third part. Uh, in Daniel 8 and 10, you have, uh, a similar expression. Uh, of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, this is certainly a reference to uh, a Satan, and from the time from Genesis to this period, Satan has attempted to devour the child, to, to block uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in uh, the slaying of uh, Abel by Cain, uh, you have a glimpse of it. In Exodus, uh, in Egypt, when uh, Pharaoh appeared and demanded that the boy babies, just the male children, be thrown into the river to be killed. Why not the female? When uh, ha when Haman, uh, by his ingenuity, tricked and deceived the king, Ashaherus, uh and received from the king authority and power to exterminate, to extinguish, to blot out the Jewish race. What was he doing it for? Satan had a motive behind, uh, behind him. And uh, then... As you uh, bring uh, the history on down, when Jesus was born, Herod made a command like Pharaoh, issued a, a decree that uh, all the boy babies from two years old and under, just the boy babies, no girl baby, no female baby, was ordered to be put to death by Herod. 
Why? Satan knew something of the original decree that the seed of the woman would bruise his head. Put it to death. Now, uh, so Satan, or from this time. Now, when Jesus uh, was born, why this command was given, and uh, the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Take Mary, the little child, and flee into Egypt, and stay there until I tell thee. Well, now, God could have preserved uh, the Lord Jesus uh, just as well in Judea, as he could in Egypt, as far as God's power is concerned. But see, people, when they study Revelation, they get all excited over the power of God. Afraid that if you believe Revelation, you're going to believe that Jesus has uh, had a great amount of authority and power lying dormant, and they can't visualize Christ uh, having such power and not using it. And and they're afraid of Revelation, uh, and that's one of the main ingredients. Well, these uh, the heavenly hosts uh, made, made the statement that uh, uh, they were praising God because God has taken to himself his power. Now, he's beginning to use something. He's fixing to do something. All right, now, but Satan, uh, to go one step further, uh, when, uh, uh, when, Sa- when the Lord Jesus returned uh, from, uh, uh, when Joseph and May returned from Egypt, they, uh, God, uh, of course, continued the, the direction. But uh, after he grew uh, to manhood, his ministry was begun, uh, Satan tried to tell him, to, how about jumping over there? That's, that's not too far. Jump down off of the pinnacle. Uh, jump over the, over the hillside. That, uh, the Lord will take care of you. And then in uh, Nazareth, when he returned to Nazareth, uh, on his first trip, apparently, at least into the synagogue, he went in, and was recorded in the fourth chapter of Luke, and he read from the scriptures, 61st chapter of Isaiah, and having read a portion, sat down. And then uh, they was kind of puzzled over it. And some of them didn't like it very well, and they wanted to give Jesus a pretty good rousing send-off, so much so that they... Just thought they'd push him over the cliff. See, try to kid him. Satan was still there. And every time Jesus did a, performed a miracle, a miraculous deed, testif- which testified to his deity, to the fact that he was, uh, uh, that he had invaded this world and uh, was claiming to be equal with God, why, whether it was a miracle or whether it was his claims to be God, the Jews would, they, they made for the stone pile, pick up stones to cast stones at. But the scripture always tells you that, uh, the reason why no stone was ever cast or no one ever landed or he was never injured was because his hour had not yet come. And so, on through, uh, the entire, uh, ministry of Jesus, he was, uh, a subject uh, to arrest. He was subject to uh, being put to death as far as the uh, world is concerned, as far as man is concerned. Uh, and Satan 
has uh, always uh, tried uh, to uh, to either put to death or to render render inoperative the acts, the works, the deeds of God's children. For instance, uh, uh, it was Satan who was behind uh, Judas in having Judas to betray the Lord. It was Satan's purpose to uh, have Peter to fall. It was Satan who uh, uh, who engineered uh, all of this, uh, the the bickerings, the fightings, the wars, the internal war between the Pharisee and the Sadducees, uh, uh, seeking uh, seeking his uh, death. They even gave command, authority. To take him now, you have authority. Delegated authority to the to the uh, humblest peasant, simply to to satisfy uh, their thirst to murder, to kill, to uh, the Lord Jesus. Well, uh, so this verse just points out the fact that uh, that as soon as Christ was born, uh, Satan was ready to devour him. He was there. In, uh, in Herod, and it followed him through life. And yet, uh, verse 5 tells us about the, uh, another person. Now we've had the woman, we've had Satan, now we come to the person of Christ. Uh, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, and she... The woman that was pictured uh, in heaven, in the glory of the sun, moon near to the feet, and stars uh, upon her head, crown of twelve stars. This woman has travailed and brought forth a man-child. And the expression, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, comes from the second psalm. And uh, it says, and her child was caught up unto God. He's born, and the next thing that's said about him, he's raptured. The word caught up is the same word that you have in First Thessalonians 4.17. Uh, same word uh, in the 15th chapter of First Corinthians. Uh, it's the same word as in Acts 1, 7 to 11. Uh, it's uh, that he was snatched away. He was caught up. Now, the uh, the object of the seer and the purpose of God for him here is not to record the ministry and activities of Christ upon the earth. We are jumping immediately from his birth unto his ascension. And it says, uh, she was brought forth, a, uh, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. But he didn't. That was, uh, that's uh, a, a purpose, that's a mission, that's a statement concerning him. All nations, not those that led him, not the elect, not the redeemed, and her child 
was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, that's where the Lord uh, is today. And the woman fled into the wilderness now. Now, without describing the, the death of Christ, without describing his resurrection, without describing any of his activity whatsoever, he uh, simply refers to his ascension, and then uh, the woman comes into view again. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should free, uh, feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now, <clears throat> who is the woman? The same woman that gave birth uh, to the Son of God? All right. Uh, Christ gave birth to the church. The church didn't give birth to Christ. Christ was born of the Jews, of Mary. But in Matthew 16, Jesus says, Upon this rock I'll build my church. So, uh, the, the, uh, so Christ is not the product of the church. But rather the church the product of Christ. But now, here we are, uh, no, we notice that the woman fled into the wilderness. Uh, it's not just taking care of one person. The woman is not one individual. It's not Mary. Well, Mary was the person. Uh, and the scripture tells us to, uh, to singular and to emphasize the oneness of it. Uh, when you, when you read uh, Matthew's account, uh, you'll find that it, the scripture says, that when she brought forth her son, when she herself, when she laid him in a manger with swaddling clothes, she herself with no help. The, the, uh, the emphasis is on that she did it and she did it alone because there was none, uh, of course, uh, there was no assistance. Uh, but here, uh, as we study uh, the, uh, and this is simply a reference, and we will wait for verse six till we get to verse thirteen, which deals with the woman uh, that was fled into the wilderness. Verse six simply tells us at this point uh, that she uh, fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared of God. God preparation, just exactly like God prepared a place. Uh, for them uh, after Jesus was born, for Joseph and Mary and the little child. Uh, we're still in the direct provident hand of the providence of God. And she was to be there three and a half years is a, a time element with reference to it. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.